Alitu Chimichukma. Welcome to Real Indigenous, where these real indigenous peoples get real about what's on our screen and everywhere in between. In this episode, we're going to be between the screen and the audience because we're doing it live at Circle Cinema. So what happened was we were invited by Tulsa Litfest to do an interview with Laylee Long Soldier, whose poetry will be featured in the upcoming film Lakota Nation vs. United States. This movie is planning to be dropped on July 14, 2023, so catch it wherever good movies are played. And if you're in the Tulsa area, watch it at Circle Cinema because that's where all the great movies play. And tell them I sent you. They'll probably ask you who I am, and it will have no significance, but you can still tell them I sent you. So we talked with Laylee about her experience in writing poetry for this film, her overall experiences of how she got to be a poet, her writing, her styles, and just about her just being an all-around badass. So listen up. Go watch the movie when it comes out by Laylee's book, which is titled Whereas, wherever fine books are sold. And keep an eye out for her next masterpiece, We. With me, bringing a thoughts, feeling, and critical mind are our special guest host, Lindsay Claire Smith. And our extra special guest, Laylee Long Soldier. So, enough of my yapping. Lindsay, take it away. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Tulsa Lit Fest 2023. I'm so glad that you have come out to see our special guest, Laylee Long Soldier. And we're here with my colleague, Tully Jacob, and the Real Indigenous Podcast. My name's Lindsay Smith. I'm Associate Professor of English at Oklahoma State University, and I direct the Center for Poets and Writers at OSU Tulsa. And as we get started, I want to say thank you to Circle Cinema for allowing us this wonderful space to host this event, which is a recording of the Real Indigenous podcast with special guest Laylee Long Soldier. Circle Cinema really does a lot to support the community in addition to screening amazing independent um, films. And so check out their website, thinking about, think about becoming a member and um, we're just so grateful that they are participating in LitFest this year, and we appreciate their partnership. I want to thank my colleagues on the LitFest leadership team, Victoria Moore of Witty Books, Onika Asimo Caesar of Fulton Street Books, and Koresh Ali Lansana of Tri-City Collective. And we have a very long list of community partners, and you can check out that list at TulsaLitFest.org. A special note of thanks for the folks who have given money to pay for the Tulsa Lit Fest, including Oklahoma State University, the George Kaiser Family Foundation, and the Tulsa Arts Fellowship. I'm really grateful for the opportunity to introduce my colleague, Tully Jacob. Tully has a daughter who is a philosopher, free thinker, creator, artist, and the reason he exists, which is a lot for a child to handle. She's already made her family proud and continues to do so. And she's a good musician. And I know this because Tully's daughter and my daughter take music lessons at the same school. So Tully and I have had a few Lit Fest meetings while we're waiting for our children to learn to play music. <laughs> we're also lucky to have Laylee Long Soldier as one of this year's special guests for Tulsa Lit Fest. 
Lily is going to be reading her wonderful poetry tonight at 7.30 at the Center for Public Secrets, which is at the corner of 6th and Peoria, followed by an open mic with special guests Jake Skeets, Ken Haida, and Jessica Isaacs, which will be hosted by our friend Keely Record. For this event, we'll be hearing more about and seeing some clips from the documentary Lakota Nation versus United States, for which Lely wrote the screenplay. The film is a lyrical, visually stunning portrait of resistance that chronicles the history of the Lakota people's quest to reclaim the Black Hills, their sacred, sacred land that was stolen in violation of treaty agreements. The film was directed by Jesse Shortbull and Laura Tomaselli. Please join me in welcoming Tully Jacob and Laylee Long Soldier to Lit Fest 2023. Hali I, I appreciate the introduction. And I think I only wanted to add that I didn't actually write the screenplay. Okay. Um, I was asked to write a, a poem for the film. And so throughout the film, you will hear... Um, passages from the piece that I wrote for them but it's a documentary so um, it's mostly comprised of interviews with various um, community members yeah all right cool so yeah today we're just going to have a quick discussion and kind of talk about Laylee's input on this film that's coming out this summer it'll be playing here in circle I think in July and so we'll kind of like uh, just kind of break down the way in which she created the poem, how it was broken into the film, and then we'll just explore other aspects of writing and creating and all those good fun stuff. So we'll go ahead and watch like a couple of clips that uses Laylee's poetry, and we'll kind of see what it does, and then we'll, we'll get to talking about it. Come on up, come back up. And so that was the film using Laylee's words. So in essence, she kind of did write a screenplay, at least for the poetry part, so. We're not, we're not totally wrong about it. And so today we're just going to kind of talk about the, the, the way in which she got to creating the words for this and where it got to here. And is this the first time you've seen your, this film, part of the film at least? No. Okay, so you've seen it before. Okay, okay, so good. And also if you watch the trailer, you'll, you'll still see other uh, aspects of her, her, her poetry on the trailer too. All right, so kind of like basically just walk us from step one to where we got a, a film produced showing your your words on a documentary. Basically, the uh, executive producer, Ben Heaton, emailed me. And he emailed me like four or five times <laughs> asking me if I could, if I would consider uh, writing a piece for this film. Um, and at first, I, I think I didn't respond right away. Um, first of all, it's difficult for me to trust uh, non-Native people uh, when they come to Pine Ridge um, with cameras or with um, film, uh, you know, to, to photograph or to um, take film. Um, so that was my immediate response. I just didn't feel like, um, yeah, getting involved. <laughs> right, right, right. A long history of like yeah. misuse of our visuals, of our words, misuse of, you know, us in general. Yes, and I think especially like um, 
what I noticed is uh, Pine Ridge is a place that people especially go to, number one, for plains imagery, uh, and number two, for imagery of um, poverty, right? Right. Um, so we're... It, and we have many, many examples of that. So, for example, we had there was a certain a certain period of time when there was like oh, I I want to say Diane Sawyer, Lisa Ling, um, maybe Oprah. I can't remember. There were like all these news uh, programs that came to Pine Ridge, and they showed all the images that I expected to, you know, one would expect. And uh, with, the, with the voiceover of <laughs> yeah. the, the deprivation and, yes, and deprivation poverty and of, of, of our people. You to know. make a point. So, um, and I don't feel like we need any more of that. So, but anyway, we were up north um, visiting relatives and Jesse Shortbull uh, is a friend of mine and he's also the director and he... Um, messaged me and asked if um, we would like to go out to the Badlands. So he picked up me and my kid and we went driving around for a day. And then um, at the end of the day, he waited. <laughs> and then he asked me if I would consider uh, writing something for this film. But knowing that he was the director and he was taking footage um, and I, he was talking to people that I really uh, respect in the community. Um, that changed my uh, feeling, and so I accepted their invitation. Yeah. So. Okay. Great. <laughs> yeah. So, did they have any specifics of what they wanted you to write, or was it something that you kind of came to? Well, they, um, they told me the basic premise, which was the film was really focusing on land, um, the agreements that we have made with the U.S. government for land, which is obviously th initially through our treaty, um, and the last treaty, which was um, Treaty of Fort Laramie in 1868. Um, and then, of course, Within that demarcation of land is the Black Hills, which is our place of origin and really the heart of who we are. So, he, you know, they said they'd be talking about that a lot as well. So that's all they gave me, and they left it open. Um, and so I actually... Um, sent several drafts. I didn't know where to start. Um, so I started with prose, really. I started just writing. And now I can't even remember what I wrote. <laughs> but, um, and during that time, I was also um, reading our treaty a lot and, you know, just reading it, um, going over each line. Um, but of all the things in that document that, and I had to sit, I just, that's, I guess the way I, I work is I have to let things sit for a while. 
And of all the things in that document that was most um, potent for me emotionally was the last few pages that you saw in that clip with all of our leaders, um, if you want to call them signatures, but all of their exes. Um, it, it's just, it's like a, a thorn right here, just wiggling, you know, because that ex is not just a, um, a sort of um, signal towards the hand that wrote it, it is also a signal towards illiteracy and the un injustice in signing away so much of who we are uh, through a document that they couldn't read. Mm -hmm. And I did some research, I'm just letting you know, that there was an early dictionary. A lot of times people use the fact that there was no uh, they, there was only verbal translation because we, are n we were not yet in an era of uh, writing our language. It was still a verbal language, uh, oral language. Um, but there were early, um, the first dictionary came out about uh, 10 or 15 years before that. Um, so, and secondly, if you look at those pages, the the names are transcribed first transcribed in english on one side and uh translated on the other side of the x so that right there for me was enough indication to to say there's no excuse that we didn't have a proper uh translation made so so that our our people knew exactly what they were agreeing to but even so, it wasn't upheld. Right. Either way. I either mean, way. <laughs> either way. But that's the way. That, but that was that window. That place was the window through which I um, started writing. And so each stanza begins with an X. X marks this. X marks that. And it was from there that I was able to really... Um, I, I suppose, immerse myself in the project. Okay, go ahead. Yesterday, um, for a different event, we were talking about archival work and how a lot of scholars um, in particular can be sort of extractive with their use of archives um, relating to indigenous communities. But it also seems that that can be, as you mentioned, a problem for filmmakers as well, kind of having an extractive relationship to the subjects um, of their films. So I was wondering if you could just talk a little bit about what it was like for you perhaps to balance sort of doing archival work, kind of digging into materials to do research, but then also sort of your personal relationship to what you wanted to say. How, how do you kind of, how did you walk that line or, or was that a concern of yours? Yeah, I mean, um, for me, I mean, look, first of all, I'm a poet and yeah. I'm always in my feels. I'm very like emo, <laughs> always feeling everything to the max. Mm -hmm. So um, in the research, I had to sometimes, I, I could feel like my blood pressure rising. I had to physically take breaks from working on it because of the things that, um, I was learning, uh, for example, just uh, like our articles on allowing 
the railroads to come through. And then I, be I went in this rabbit hole learning about the railroads and how as soon as those were built, how that enabled like, m uh, there was one year, I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to research this again. I wish that I c had the numbers for you, but you would just fall over if you, if, uh, but anyway, it was like millions of pounds of buffalo hide then was suddenly uh, they were I able to transport, which is an indication that that was uh, much more than just shipping, I don't know, <laughs> China and goods, you know. Uh, so uh, anyway, there was all of these um, things that, you know, as I was engaging with that document, and then um, researching more um, some of the policies and, and um, things, the subsequent sort of actions that were taken after we agreed to that. Oh my gosh, it was, it was difficult. Um, yeah, so does that answer your question? I feel like I had something else to say, but I forgot. It may come back. A lot of your poetry are very heavy on like you know your your culture these kind of like um, treaties and these kind of things that you discuss in a lot of your poems is about every uh, poem that you write does it kind of have that depth of research or, or how's that how's that work for you no not every poem that I write has uh, that research I mean it just depends on the project or what I'm working on so some pieces, like I'm still revising this piece for the film. Mm -hmm. So as I said, there's 135 stanzas. Um, and actually I found, I feel like about 80% of it needs to go <laughs> <laughs> and needs to be changed. So um, I'm still actively uh, working on that, but it takes time because, because of the, the element of research and um, it's, it's a piece I would say is built, right? Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you know, as artists or as poet writers, poets, there's we different ways of working. So there are times when I'm consciously r collecting, um, building, and very um, um, careful and very cautious, if you will, there are pieces that are a little bit different, you know, written from a place of inspiration. They, those pieces come quickly, right? And then maybe I sit with it and the revision process is a little different. You know, it just depends, yeah. About what draft had you had written for this film? Mm, I wanna say maybe the fourth or fifth draft. I'm now, after this, maybe on the eighth or ninth draft, yeah. Mm -hmm. But, um, excuse me, I don't know, I don't even know if I can call it a draft. It's just a Word document that's up on my laptop at all times. <laughs> 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 and I come and work on it. So mm -hmm. it's over the span of several months, you right. know. Um, but... Uh, one thing that was fun or interesting in the that has guided my uh, revision process is when I worked right up to the last minute to send this to the executive director. 
or not director, executive producer. Yeah. Um, and then he wanted to record me, uh, which you heard me reading. And so he sent my um, document back and he highlighted the sections that he would wanted me to read. Um, and I found that the, the parts he highlighted had a lot more of, um, I want to say they, there was more um, humanity in them mm -hmm. or something um, personal yeah. in them. And then I have a lot of uh, stanzas that are very uh, focused on the legislative language, the particulars, and some of those loopholes. And they are actually kind of dry. So it's those that I learned a lot from that exchange. And so it's those really dry stanzas that I'm going back now and kind of, uh, yeah, working on. The language of the yeah. of the writing, warming it up, I guess. I guess, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sounds good. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of a, the thing is like I guess with like creatives is like it never ends. You just find a place to stop. Basically. You have to stop it. It's a deadline. You, <laughs> my kid is a visual artist. Mm -hmm. I have a teenager, but um, and that's one thing I was. Uh, um, Ohitika was working on a painting this last week. And spending hours and hours and hours on the tiniest details, you know. And that's what I said. I said, finally, it's it's really just the deadline that makes us stop. Yeah. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> stop. Forever. yeah. You read this, and they recorded you for this film. So that mm -hmm. was your voice that we heard. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... so how was that? Was that anything... Was that a different process than maybe we, even you just reading in front of a crowd? Was there something specific that was different in how you did the did the reading and also while you were reading did you also revive while you were reading no i did not revise while i was reading i behaved <laughs> and i just read what they wanted um we read it at the time i was i had a like office or studio space um in santa fe and so they came and uh we we read there in that space, um, and I'm—I'll confess that um, they ha had me read each stanza. I don't know how many times, like four, five, six, seven times, and I was getting really crabby. And um, may—I don't know if I showed it, but I know I felt it inside. <laughs> and but now um, I regret getting crabby in the <laughs> inside <laughs> because I know it's just part of the work and I, right. I felt really proud of them, yeah. what they made in the end, um, and very grateful. So, yeah, anyway. <laughs> well, it sounds great to me what I heard, so. <laughs> I wanted to ask you a little bit more about, um, there's kind of this tradition of the poem film, which I know this is a documentary. It's not, it's not quite an art film exactly, but what do you think... Um, could, could you explain a little more what having sort of a poetic voiceover does for the film versus, you know, maybe the typical kind of voiceover that you would see in like the Diane Sawyer <laughs> approach that you talked about before? Well, I think that maybe in this film, 
in particular, what I appreciate is that, and actually I heard a community member come to me and say this to me, but I would echo what they said. Um, so I met someone who had just seen the film, a Lakota person, and they came and said they were just really grateful that they chose uh, someone, a Lakota person, to actually write and do the voiceover um, themselves. So it, that is to say that they didn't have, they didn't choose um, a random person and just making simple observa you know, observations that we were able to bring in that sort of literary and artistic um, vein through the, the film and that it was also written, um, I suppose, by, yeah, someone from that community. If there's anything like some deep cuts or some like lowlights or highlights that you want to talk about, about your work on this film or anything that you, else you want to share before we open up to the audience? I don't know. I don't really have any major thing to say, only to say that I think that this film, I'm excited for it to be shown. But I think also um, it's just the beginning. There's so much more. I feel like it's just scratching the surface. And even just to focus on the Black Hills, um, you know, if you go back and you read your treaties, um, most of the, uh, of course, each region has their, has different agreements. But like our treaty, the land is actually almost, m is more than half of South Dakota. So we're even just focusing on this little area of the <laughs> Black yeah. Hills when really, you know, it's like an immense mm -hmm. amount. I And I feel like um, I, one of the big questions I had in working on this piece was what is the, what it, how does a treaty function anyway in the present day? Like if everything has been sort of abrogated or things have been taken despite the signatures, despite the X's, like is it a living document? But it is a living document. It's still a document that is referred to right. in Supreme Court cases present day, we just had one for Navajo Nation for water rights. Water rights where, you know, the Supreme Court is sitting there debating uh, whether the peop whether there's a particular article <laughs> in the treaty uh, for Navajo Nation, whether they have a right to have water. Like that is nuts. You know, it's just nuts to me. But the 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 point I'm making is that they are living documents mm -hmm. and they, they do have a certain um, agency and power still. So I'm, I'm in that gray area. And actually working on this film um, made me apply to law school. And I went to law school last semester. Oh, wow. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, I didn't go back. Oh, well. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> but you got enough. Since you didn't have to go through the whole thing, you got enough knowledge. <laughs> I did. I actually, in that semester, last semester, I learned a lot 
I learned how to read cases. Mm -hmm. I learned how to research. I learned how to write a brief. I learned how to follow the trail of precedence and so on. Um, and how to use Westlaw, for example, the database and all of that. Um, I learned a lot um, and how uh, the different, you know, we have the Supreme Court, we have Congress, we also have our tribal governments, how some of that works, which was really confusing to me before. So I think it's something maybe everyone should do at yeah. some point, yeah. Is this the first time you've worked on a film before, or have you done films before? Um, no, I haven't. And also, I feel so like uh, hesitant to say I worked on the film, because I just wrote that piece basically in my house, in my pajamas. Like <laughs> That's the best way to work. <laughs> no, on no, my no, laptop. <laughs> it's not like I, was, I wasn't like f out filming anything or... Um, you know, doing interviews or editing. I, that that was my part. I ju was just glued to my laptop and uh, researching and um, thinking a lot. So yeah, but no, that's my first time. Okay, yeah. well mm -hmm. that's work. Don't don't mm -hmm. yeah, I said don't because a lot. I mean, just the research itself is tiring to mm -hmm. me. You did a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> and so you said you got to see the film. You've seen the full completed mm -hmm. film now. And how do you, are you happy with how everything turned out? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, because, like, what I saw was very beautiful visuals. Mm -hmm. Well, going back on you as Laylee, the creator, poet, what is, like, kind of what was your humble beginnings? How did you, what's your secret origin of how you got to where you are today? Where were you born? Where did you come from? <laughs> what got you interested in writing? I like that you said secret origin. I know. I was like, oh, my God. What kind of secret? Because <laughs> you're a superhero. Um, let's see. Well, you, you went to IAIA, right? The Institute right. of American Indian Arts. So I also went there. Mm -hmm. Um... I started off in the creative writing program at IAIA. Well, before you did creative writing program, why did you go to IAIA? Uh-huh. Okay. So I was an older student, what they call a returning student. And when I was, so I went in when I was like 30 or th early 30s, something like that. But when I was younger, I tried going to college when I was like 18 or 19. And um, I didn't have the life skills and I did not have the ability to juggle everything. So at that young age, I decided, and I failed miserably, you know? And um, so I made this rule in my head that there's like two kinds of people. There's people who uh, can go to college and other people <laughs> who, <laughs> I, I thought was me, you know? So I spent many years um, being a barista, um, working in offices. I worked at the Indigenous Language Institute for many years. Um, I worked there for 11 years, actually. That's my previous life. Um, and I also played music. Um, but I got to a crossroads where I don't know. I just felt like 
it wasn't doing it for me, like right. office work and um, making lattes, you know. Uh, even though I love lattes. Um, <laughs> you can still drink them even if you don't make them. <laughs> uh, there was something missing. But I was afraid. I had made that rule, and I was afraid to go to college and fail again. Um, but two things helped me um, make that step. The first was my dad went to II too. Mm -hmm. So I thought I felt maybe a little more comfortable trying that. Um, and then the second thing was it was just very practical. Mm -hmm. um, I thought, I've been working all of these hours every week for years, like 40, 50, 60 hours. Um, maybe if I work that many hours on homework, mm -hmm. surely I could pass. I could at least pass. Maybe yeah. I won't be the best, but that's how I reasoned it. Mm -hmm. So I tried. So I went to IAI, and I used to play music, and they didn't have a music program. So then, um, but they had creative writing, and um, so I chose that as like a second best. Yeah. I was just like, well, I got oh, this. I, might as well I guess, <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll try that. Like you know, um, and then, um, but what I found was um, when I started studying, I found that I had. Um, abilities that I didn't really know mm -hmm. I had. So like, this is so silly, but you know, like thinking, like critical thinking, right. that's a thing, yeah. right? <laughs> I went to school and I was like, critical thinking, like we're gonna sit here and just talk, uh, right? And I was like, I've been doing that my whole life. <laughs> like, <laughs> just laying there thinking, like you know, like <laughs> um, many things like that. Um, so I think it, it brought things out in me and also in an environment that I felt comfortable in. Yeah. So um, that helped and somehow I made it. And I graduated, and um, I found that writing suited me. What was your musical interest? Well, I've never knew about that, that about you. Oh, yeah. I mean, I used to have a band, and I had I played electric guitar, and I had a lot of pedals, and um, it was really loud. Right on, <laughs> right on. You should have brought your guitar, man. We could have we jammed out. You still play? Um, no. I don't. Oh no! We gotta get I, you back here I and like get those calluses think, back. I know. I like to think I could play. I think about it often, but I'm so now I'm so busy and I have many things to do. So, but it's a part of me. And what I want to say on that note is that that musical background definitely is something that I use in my writing mm -hmm. practice, uh, with a sense of uh, t timing and. You would say even notation, yes. right, on the page and so on. So, yeah, it's still something that I use. It's still there, but it's just a different form. Right, yeah. what kind of music? What kind of music? Yeah, what style? That I play? Yeah. Oh, well, they used to call it, some people called it post, 
rock. Post so rock, okay. I didn't even know a name for it. It was just instrumental and really loud. And we had a, I was the guitarist. We had a drummer and uh, another guitarist who, he didn't even play guitar. He didn't play guitar. He like put thing. Made noise, he basically. made noise. It was more like um, sound, mm -hmm. sound art. You would call yeah, it. Yeah, sonic. Yeah, and then um, we had an electric violinist. So yeah. Oh mm -hmm. man, you, did you record anything or have any music uh, recorder anywhere? I do. I have like one CD. Oh shit! You gotta fucking bring that out. That's <laughs> awesome. I gotta hear that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Share that, share that audio with us. <laughs> I do want to hear it. We gotta get the band back together. Let's do this. <laughs> okay. So then, um, so yeah, that's the thing about poetry too, because you are continuing those musical roots. Because in your writing, there is a rhythm within how you lay out your your lines and your stanzas and those kind of things. I'm making up words like I know what I'm talking about, but am I saying them right? Am I, am I using the terminology right? Yeah. But but how you how you in, even in, within your readings. So when you do that, how what are you thinking? Are you thinking musically or are you thinking in just how it sounds to you or what's how, what's that process? Again, I I'm not sure it's like a it's not a conscious thing of like uh, trying to make a particular rhythm like you would or, you know, a particular kind of um, time with it, but it is a kind of sensibility. It's integrated into the way that I work. So, for example, a big part of my um, composition process, you know, writing, drafting, is to read it out loud and to make sure that it sounds the way I want it to based on what I'm reading on the page. So let's say we know that a line break ind indicates a pause usually. There's a quick pause or a comma or a full stop, a period. To make sure that all of that, um, um, it's not just about uh, syntax and grammar and it is about the movement of the piece. And, and, and so I spend a lot of time reading and making sure that it feels, I would say in the body, that it feels musically the way that I, I need it to, if that makes sense. I don't <laughs> no, no, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, some of your writing is very powerful and, and you know, and you feel those emotions and that's how, kind of how I, how I see it when, when I, you know, read specifically your poetry, you know. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just on that note, uh, that's one thing that I talk to my students about, that, I mean, as poets, I think it's the one art form, I, 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 as far as writing goes, where you are not just working with the material of language, the content, um, but you are also beyond just writing. You're also a sound artist and you're also a visual artist. And so it's almost like you're driving a car and you have all the, you have the stick shift, you have the brake, you have the gas, you have all these different things you're doing at once, you know, on the page. 
Um, and I think that's why poets are kind of nerds, because they they know they know all the little minutia that goes into making the the poem, and they come and they appreciate others like, oh wow. I love how you put that call. Literally, I had a <laughs> student who, or was it a student or a friend? Someone recently, I read one of their new poems. Oh, a friend, a close friend. And he's using the comma in a very unusual way. He started uh, a line with a comma and this. And I was like, I just love that. Oh, my God. You know, it's <laughs> like we could talk for an hour on how. So, um, yes, anyway. Um, who are your poetic influences and what are you working on now? My influences, uh, it's harder for me to answer that. <laughs> so I'm going to just tell you what I'm working on at the moment. I'm working on my second manuscript uh, titled We. Um, and in the in our in Lakota language, if you take the word we and you put an accent on the e, it becomes we, which means blood. So there's um, sort of a, a a a thread that weaves through the 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 book right now is this idea of kinship, of blood, and uh, the collective, um, and so. Um, actually, a lot of the book is uh, visual. I'm going to have visual art because uh, I also make things. So uh, I'm going to have photographs and the text that has come from those exhibits. Mm -hmm. So, um, and a lot of those pieces are collaborative, like either with community or my kid or different people. So it's this idea of being in connection with others. Yeah, but it, yeah, it'll have uh, visual work as well as um, poetry and a few essays. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. Like I saw you, that you had done the star quilt mm -hmm. with your poetry on it and mm -hmm. I, I was so fucking like, oh, that's awesome. I was like so <laughs> mesmerized by that. I was, that's such a cool idea because I've never seen anyone or think, thought about it even doing it in that fashion. Mm -hmm. So now we're going to see more of the visual arts of mm -hmm. yours because uh, everyone I'm sure knows that she's also a visual artist as well as a poet, right? Everybody knows that, yeah. So, so I'm, I'm excited to see that too. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, <clears throat> anyone else? All right, here we go. Will the, the poem from the film be published somewhere? That will also be in We. Um, and probably for the visual aspect of that piece, um, I'm going to ask the producers if I can have some still shots from the movie. And probably mo most of them I, I picture being uh, of our land and different sites. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're an indigenous woman, very powerful, very strong, very inspiring. Any last words of wisdom, indigenous wisdom that you can share mm -hmm. with us? That makes me feel funny. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Indigenous wisdom. What I want to say is um, a friend and I were talking the other day, actually, and I, as, as um, tangled and knotted and difficult as 
as things are sometimes with certain issues, let's say concerning treaty rights or land or all of those things, I, I do want to say I, um, I take a lot of heart and a lot of hope from our young ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you you have kids, yeah, and I have a... She's right back there in the corner. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, me too. I, I've got a young one, and I've got nieces and nephews and so on. And um, And sometimes when I think about, like, my generation and, you know, the older generation, I just see with each generation such... Um, beauty and strength and such progress you know it's like I think that I've noticed the younger generation really takes pride now in speaking their language Mm -hmm. or learning their songs or participating in certain things and that's that's a that's a world of difference from where we were at just you know 20 30 40 years ago and so I do feel like um it takes time but there's so much hope for mm-hmm. what's ahead you know so i'll conclude with that <laughs> i just want to say thank you so much for your work and for coming to tulsa and um i've taught your your book now for years and my students just respond so strongly to it it just makes speaking of critical thinking it makes them think about things in a new way students of all backgrounds but particularly the native students as well at osu so um it's just such a joy to have you here in tulsa thank you so much thank you thank you for having me yeah are we good on time now all right so everybody thank you very much for coming i appreciate y'all coming and uh get to the reading you'll be doing book signing right yes okay she's gonna sign books so get the book whereas is the book that she has and what's your other book your first book you have a first book I have a first chat, chat book. book. It's yeah. not available. Oh, okay, not available. Okay, <laughs> well, don't worry about that then. But we got where ass, and we're about to have where. Is that my saying right? Where. So, all right, and the way we uh, close the Real Indigenous podcast is we say, don't just keep it real, keep it real Indigenous. So I want everyone to kind of try to say it together because that's what we always try to do. We always fall out of rhythm, so don't, get, don't feel bad if you fall out of rhythm. So, all right, everybody ready for this? All right. Now, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, thanks for Laylee. Thanks for Lindsay. <laughs> Two L's. And remember, don't just, just keep, keep it, it real. real. Keep, keep it, it real indigenous. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you very much. And I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.